He is risen. He is risen indeed. I like that. You know, I love that video for so many reasons, but one of them is because it just puts a smile on my face. Anybody experienced that? You just kind of looked at it and you smiled. And why is that? It's because life's hard sometimes. Anybody reflect on that? Anybody tired here? And I don't just mean because you got up early this morning because you woke up a half hour late to make it here, right? But realize I woke up really early this morning. And, and I have an obnoxious kind of ring on my phone. It's a, it's a song that brings back good memories from when I was a kid. And it's just one of those that gets your energy pumping. And, but it is so, it, it used to be my favorite song. And now I, I hate this song because I, I, it's one of those songs that I wake up in the morning to and, and it just frustrates me so much much. How many of you guys, when you're tired, and I don't just mean because you woke up late, but you just get tired as you go through life. Um, if you've got kids, you're always driving them around. If you've got deadlines, you're always consumed by the immediate. If, you, if you've got struggles in your marriage, you're, you're always just, it, home isn't a safe place anymore, and you've got to figure out how to move forward, and it's been hard. Anybody kind of acknowledge that sometimes life is hard and you get tired? Yeah, yeah. It, it, how many of you guys want one of these buttons that James hits, you know, and, and gets you kind of going at, at just you know, hitting a button? I do. How many of you guys get frustrated too? I, I just found out this morning that this refrigerator that we just got doesn't work, and, and I got frustrated, you know, the first thing this morning. And, and sometimes life doesn't go according to plan, and sometimes life is hard, and it's difficult, and, and it's easy to get frustrated as you go through life. And, and how many of you guys are sad? Sad because you're struggling with a relationship. Sad because things aren't working out. Sad because you just lost somebody. Again, say this with me. Life is hard, but God is good. And Easter is supposed to be that, at least that one Sunday, it should be every Sunday, where you come in and a smile is put on your face because you remember that Jesus was victorious. That you remember that if we let him, God's got this, right? If we, and maybe I'll say this a different way. If we would believe in him, God's got this. If we will trust in him, God's got this. And one of my favorite scenes in that is just when this person was kind of not smiling and then just came to smile because they came in the midst of Christ or Christ was giving them energy or, or reminding them of his love or, or that he's got this, right? And all of a sudden they had hope to kind of navigate their new life, to navigate the rest of their life. It's not as bad because Christ is in my corner. That, that's the kind of gift that God gives us at Easter. Jesus won, and because of that, everything's different. Now, I want to expand on that a little bit as I go through this morning. Jesus said a statement on the night before he was, he was crucified that nobody understood. He said this, and I want you to think about it. He says, in a little while, the world will no longer see me. And we get that because he's going to be crucified, right? But he says this, but you're going to see me because I am alive and, I'm about, and you're about to come alive. And so Jesus just shares with us this morning the simple message. He says, Easter is about coming alive. It's about realizing that I've got this. It's about realizing that he is there for you, that he's got you as you're going through life. Jesus proved, in other words, that he was who he said he was. He says, I'm God and I'm going to let them kill me and then I'm going to let them put me on the ground and three days later I'm going to rise again. I'm going to prove that I am who I say I am. And he rose and he walked around Jerusalem. And ever since then, history has been divided in between A.D. and B.C. Every time you say 2017, it's 2017 years since that event. You're referring to Jesus Christ. And you know what? Almost everybody knows that part of the Easter story. And it's, it's part of why we get excited. It's part of why we smile. 
But what most people don't know is the second part of the story. The part that involves us, the part that says this, he included everyone in his death so everyone could be included in his life, a far better life than people lived on their own. But what is this better life? I think part of it, right, is, is realizing that he's got us, that we're forgiven, that we're his, that we're, he'll give us strength, that he'll give us help so we go through life, that there's always hope. And I say that because I think we just forget sometimes. And I think we settle for less sometimes because we forget or because we just don't even know that there's something better. I'll give you an example of this. When I was little, my parents fed me Gerber's spinach out of the little bottle, right? Yeah, I loved it, man. They, my mom says I couldn't get enough of it. I was so excited when she'd open that little green can. Now, as of a couple years ago, when my kids were little, I can say to you that it tastes really kind of like, I don't know, stale bark or something like that. And I won't tell you how I know what it tastes like. I'm just going to say that it tastes that way. And, 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 but you know, when I was little, I didn't know any better. And I just loved, I loved that Gerber's strained spinach. It was just awesome stuff. But when I got to elementary school, I was introduced to SpaghettiOs. It, that is a far better world than strange spinach. And then when I, I got to college, I was introduced to In-N-Out Burger, and that is a far better world than, than, than strange spinach. And I share all that just to say this, I never want to go back to strange spinach. Why? Because I've experienced something better in life. And that's what God wants for us this morning. And, and, and I say that because I believe God brought you here today so that he could let you in on a little secret. There is something better than the good life that you keep hearing about on TV. And I say that because over the years in my ministry, I've discovered that beneath this image of the good life, there's a lot of little dirty secrets that nobody talks about. Secrets like people feel exhausted. We talked about that a little bit already. They're worn out. They say, I'm tired all the time. I can't keep up the pace. This is too hard. Just talked to a lady this week that says, just shared about her life, and she goes, I just want to give up and go to the beach with my dog and just call it a day, you know? I said, me too, that sounds great. I said, but the only way we can fail is if we give up. So God's called you is to keep on keeping on, to keep on going, but sometimes it's just hard, isn't it? Secrets like people are empty inside. They say, I don't think I've got another thing in me. I'm stretched to the limit. And in those quiet little moments, they say, if this is the good life, and if this good life is supposed to be so good, then, then why am I unsatisfied so much of the time? Secrets like people feel enslaved. I can count the number of people that have come to me and say, Pastor, I just feel trapped. I feel trapped by my debt, or I feel trapped in a relationship. I feel trapped by expectations that people have of me. I feel trapped by my guilt, by my fear, by my own schedule. I just feel trapped all the time. And though no one wants to talk about them, these kind of resound a little bit too familiar to us, don't they? And as a result, we yearn for that something more that Jesus talks about. It's why we smile when we get a sense of hope, when we get a sense that he's there, that he's got us. We yearn for that something more that Jesus won for us at Easter. We want to come alive. We want the better life. But sometimes I think we just forget or we don't know even where to look. That's why God sent us Jesus. He sent us Jesus so that he could show us the way to that something more that you've been craving for. He sent us Jesus so that he could show you that he has so much more to offer. And so when we look at Easter, I want you to realize that God gives us gifts. And this morning, he's going to offer us three things that I absolutely want you guys to take with you as you go today. 
Because again, they'll make you smile. And again, they'll, they'll give you helps as you go through life. And again, they'll remind you that if you'll let them, Jesus has got this. And one of the first things he's offering is this. He's offering you a life filled with meaning. Let me talk about that a little bit. I think one of the greatest tragedies in life is not death. It's going through your whole life without having or knowing your purpose. To go through life without really knowing what it is that you're here for. And here's the deal. We actually yearn for this. I think we, 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 we try to replace that or try to fill that with so many different things as we go through life. But, but when those things aren't hitting right, we yearn for it. I'll give you an example. My buddy, his God is, is, um, has been women his whole life. He's married now, so it, it was his wife, right? But then they're getting a divorce. And so all of a sudden, this thing that gave him some quasi-stability in his life has been removed. And he's freaking out. He's lost that thing that centered him. And I keep trying to say, well, the thing that's got to center you is God. And then you'll, be, you'll still be hurt and you'll still have frustration and anxiety and stress as you're going through this. But, but you won't be lost. And so as a way of filling it, he tries to go, not to God still, but he tries to fill it with this gal or this gal or this gal. Trying to find his purpose, trying to find his center as he goes through life. And that's hard because that's never really satisfied. They never really get you to the place where you want to be. Sometimes I think we confuse the full life with the meaningful life. But they're not the same thing, are they? Having a full schedule is not the same thing as having a fulfilled life. And so we search for meaning in all kinds of different ways, like my buddy. Sometimes we think that if we could just get more possessions, our life will have meaning but there's always more to possess. And sometimes I think we think that maybe if, if I can just accomplish certain things, my life will have more meaning. If I can just get to here, or if I can just do this, then everything will be good. But there's always more to accomplish. So we continue to search for meaning through hobbies or sports or travel or through relationships or through food. And hear me say, they're all good things. They just don't satisfy in the way that we're looking for. They don't give our lives that ultimate meaning that centers us. And yet, as we go to the Bible, we see the answer that the Bible gives us is this. If you want lasting meaning in your life, if you want that centeredness, if you want that sense of peace, you need to go to the source of all meaning. You need to go to Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Paul says, Christ gives meaning to your life. Now, I want you to think about that just for a second. You were made by God. You didn't make yourself. God made you and he made you for a purpose. But if you don't understand that truth, that you were made God, by God for God, Life's not going to make any sense because you're going to think it's all about you. And if you think life's all about you, you'll constantly be disappointed as you walk through life. Because again, why? Life is hard, but God is good. But again, that's why Jesus came. He came to bring meaning to your life, to bring centeredness to your life. He came to provide a way for you to start over and to begin again. He came to create in you something completely different and better than you've ever experienced. The Bible says that Jesus died so that we would no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and who was raised for, to life for our sake. He's just saying that you weren't made to live for you. And I know that's a hard concept, and we all get swept up into it, all of us. But it makes life more difficult when we think that way. Whenever you're focused on your belly button, right? You feel everything. You notice everything. You know how the best way to get over hurt? To help somebody else to get the focus off of you, to go to God, to run to God for strength and for help and for peace and for hope and for comfort. Not always looking at how bad the problem is and what you're suffering with. 
God says you weren't made to live for you. You were made to live for him. And when you live for God, you get connected with him. And it gives your life meaning. And it gives your life significance, which ultimately gives your life purpose. When you think about the whole Easter story, Jesus himself, he could have saved himself from the cross. He had that choice that he could have made. But he realized that he couldn't have saved you if he had made that choice. So he gave up everything so that you could have everything. He died in sorrow so that you could live forever in joy. He died so that you could have this better life. Jesus also is offering a life freed by grace. Now, grace is kind of a churchy word, so what exactly is grace? Grace is when God gives you what you need and not what you deserve. That's grace. Grace is God saying, I love you, even though time after time after time we reject him and we go our own way. Grace is God saying, I forgive you even though you don't deserve it. Grace is God saying, I'm not mad at you because Jesus has taken away your sin. Grace is God saying, I'm going to give you a second chance and a third and a fourth, and I'm going to keep on giving you chances to come to me because I love you so much and I don't want to see you lost. Grace is God saying, you are free. The Bible says this, that he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Sometimes I think people... It's hard for people to get what that freedom looks like. And so I'll give you an example. Have you ever had anybody in your life come to you and say, I forgive you? <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> That's too bad. No. If you have, though, I want you to think about that moment. There was a release of, of stuff. You felt free for the first time in years being around this person because you didn't have to walk on eggshells anymore. You felt a release from whatever boneheaded thing you just did and you didn't have to keep paying for it because this person said, I forgive you and it's okay. We're going to move past this. You felt a freedom to live life differently because you weren't still consumed with the guilt. Jesus died to give us freedom, to purchase freedom for everyone. In other words, on the cross, Jesus paid the price to buy your freedom so that you would no longer be a slave to guilt or to worry or to fear or to any of those other things. He paid to set you free. There's a word that we don't hear about much anymore. It's the word called redemption. To be redeemed means to have your freedom paid for. And the reason we don't hear much about this word anymore is because it's a word that came out of the slave trading years. In the slave trading years, people would intentionally buy slaves in order to set them free. These people were called redeemers. They would redeem slaves. And so someone would say, I don't think slavery is fair. I think it's wrong. I think it's evil, right? This person deserves to be set free. And so they would put their money where their mouth was, I guess, and they would go and they would buy this person's freedom and then they would let them go. They were redeemed. They were made free. They no longer had to be slaves. In a similar way, Jesus Christ came to redeem you, to set you free from all the things that keep you hung up, all the things that entrap you, the habits, the hurts, the hang-ups, all the things that are messing up your life today. He says, I want to set you free from all those things, and I want to give you a new life of real freedom and this is what that looks like if we'll let him, again, knowing that he's got this. Whatever your worries and your struggles and your problems, guys, I've got you and I've got this, trust me. When it comes to your past and all the hurts and all the pains and all the, the resentment that we hold, he's like, guys, I've got you and I've got this. I will judge, you need to forgive, right? And so he says There'll be freedom when you forgive this person. There'll be freedom when you accept forgiveness from me and you'll be able to live life anew and separate from all that junk from your past. I died, I rose to bring you freedom in life. 
And baptism is kind of a, a cool picture of this. In the Old Testament, what they would do is they would take you to a river and they'd, they'd throw you under the water, right? You don't have to do it that way. It's the water and the word. But I, the reason they did it is because it was such a beautiful picture of what was happening. It, it, was, it was drowning, right? It said, I'm burying my old life in this water. I'm burying this life without meaning and purpose. I'm burying this life that is stuck, that is guilty, this life that is worried. And, and, and always the way I, I say it in, in when I was doing orientation is, if you keep them under until the bubbles start coming up, right, that's the perfect thing because then when they come up, they're gasping for air. They're gasping for that new life, right? And God's promises, I'll give it to you. I'll give you meaning. I'll give you purpose. I'll give you freedom. I'll give you forgiveness. I'll give you help. I'll give you comfort. I'll give you heaven. He says, I will give you everything. And as you come up out of the water, you receive that new life in very visual terms. A life where you've been set free. And then the last thing he wants to give you or offer you this morning is a life full of energy. I like that one. In the USA Today a few years back, I read this story and it reads this way. In Ridgewood, New Jersey, a worn-out mother named Maria got fed up with her family's overscheduled lifestyle. She was consistently juggling her kids' homework and music lessons and soccer practices and swim meets and ballet and SAT sessions. She revolted. And this revolt turned into a city-wide revolt against having too many activities. So, the article continued, this last Tuesday, the entire town of Ridgewood, New Jersey, canceled everything so that people could stay home and do nothing the city family night was called Ready, Set, Relax. School officials promised homework amnesty. Sports teams canceled all their games and practices. Clubs and churches canceled all their evening classes. This notoriously overscheduled suburb took a collective timeout on Tuesday. The mayor even weighed in and said, We're all severely overextended. We're victims of our own success. So they planned a night where nothing was planned. It was recorded. Many families actually cooked their own dinner together and helped each other with the cleanup, even played board games unopened since Christmas. Now, here's the irony with this. Residents were so addicted to activity, the article continued, that they didn't know what to do, so they asked for a list of suggested activities. Others wanted to turn it into a competitive contest for those who had the best family nights, and on and on it went. No wonder they were always out of energy. They were addicted to activity so much that they couldn't spend one day. You know, one of the things that I, I like from time to time is when we're, we're they're extinguishing the candles, right? Um, and for whatever reason, it takes a little longer for them to get up there or the music finished first. And then there's just this time of silence. And, and the general thing is everybody's just waiting for the guy to just, come on, come on, get, get down there and get, get back to, to the back so we can all go and so pastor could do his thing or whatever. But I love just that moment of silence when we're facing the altar with the cross behind us, reminding us of God's love, of his sacrifice, of his promise that I've got this. And it's just forcing us to spend a second in silence, a second where nothing's going on, a second where we can just be with him. I tell you what, have you ever, have, do you ever get to this place because I think this story is just as true for us as maybe it was for these guys. Have you ever noticed how if you're low on energy, how little problems tend to become big problems? And have you ever noticed when you don't have any patience, how it's somewhat easy to set you off? Don't you ever get this feeling that there's a little beeper going off in your life, letting you know that something's wrong, but 
but you just don't know what it is. I'll tell you what it is. You're running on your own energy, and your battery's about to go out, and you need that something more, which again is why we smiled at that one video. Life is hard, and we need to remember that God's got it. The Bible says those who feel tired and worn out will find new life and energy. Again, it says you will not succeed of your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In other words, God says, just saying to you this morning that you don't have to do this by yourself. He says, plug into my power. Why? Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's available to us on a day-to-day basis as we go through life. God is the same God. He's just as powerful today as he was back then. And the Bible says everybody comes alive in Christ. And it's in this relationship with Jesus that you get this better life. You don't get it by religion or by coming once or twice during the year, right? You get it through a relationship with Jesus who said this, I came so that you can have real and eternal life, a better life than you've ever dreamed of. And guys, that's why he came. And so instead of being empty and enslaved and exhausted, Jesus says, I want you to have this better life. I want you to be free. I want you to have me. And that's what Easter's all about. It's not about the crowds or the Easter eggs or the, or the Easter baskets. It's about love and it's about forgiveness and it's about this ability to begin again. It's about this realization that God's got it, that he loves you. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let us pray. Father, we love you so much. And on Easter, it's, a, it's an easy day to be excited. We see the difference in the, the altar, especially if we went through the Good Friday and Monday, Thursday stuff. Lord, we, we see the white, we see the flowers. We see kind of some of the, the special songs that we do. But Lord, we, it's just an opportunity for us to remember as we go through a difficult time in life. And sometimes we go through seasons of awesomeness and we rejoice in those. But, but Father, it's a time to re- remind us that you've got it. That when you rose again on Easter, you claim victory over Satan, over the world, over death, over everything. And when you rose, Lord, you said that there's nothing that you can't do for us. That there's nothing that you won't do for us. That you've got it, if we will let you, that you've got us and that you've got the situations in our life. Father, today, put that smile back on our face and help us remember just how much you love us. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.